This is The Rabbit Hole with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson for your local tyre power. Save on Kumo passenger and SUV tyres. Buy three, get one free at Tyre Power. Oh, welcome everyone to The Rabbit Hole, episode three uh, for Tyre Power Stallwide Supersale now on. Great to have their company. Uh, we're still working out exactly where this is going, The Rabbit Hole, but we're enjoying the process as I welcome the great one, Wispy Watson. G'day, Gary. Yes, uh, what was your feedback like after episode two? Very good. Excellent. <laughs> I see you made the we've headlines re- re- everywhere. We renamed the show after the first show. Yeah, uh, we did. Went from the ramble to the rabbit hole, so hopefully it's a little easier to find. Just a quick one before we delve in, before we go down the rabbit hole and mm-hmm. work out where we're going. Um, every day we do radio together, we come out and we have a coffee during the during the morning. Yeah, we do. And it's a nominal fee. Like, you don't have to. It's a gold coin donation, whatever you want to get. Yeah. Tuesday and Wednesday. The Tuesday girl who does the coffee, we have four coffees. She charges us for four. Yes. Which is 12 bucks. Yes. The Wednesday girl only charges us for two normally. Right. I haven't she, noticed that. No, of course you haven't. Because you never go to the Wednesday girl. You always offer to... No, you never go to the Tuesday girl. You always offer to pay the Wednesday girl. So what are you trying to say? Well, you know that it's one's 12 bucks and the other one's six. I didn't realise that. I didn't realise that. I'm happy to pay both days if you want me no, to. No, you're not. You've I never am. paid the 12 bucks all year. You go, your shout today? I go, yeah, no worries. It's a 12 And just so happened today, I went past the Wednesday girl and I said, is Tim paid? And she said, no. And I said, okay, I'll pay. And it was a six-bucker. And I thought, hello, a minute. How many years have you and I been doing radio together in the morning? Six. Six. Five or six. Okay. And what do we drink between six and seven in the morning? Coffee. And how many times have you actually purchased the coffee that we drink between six and seven in the morning? Three. Three times, yeah. In how many years? Five. In five years. But I buy it in bulk. Right. So do you, I buy bulk. Do you think you might be a little bit behind on that score? Well, I buy bulk coffee. Bulk coffee, do you? Yes. Where do you keep that? Because I, I buy, haven't seen your bulk coffee. I buy a big kilo. What's uh, the week been like for you? <laughs> oh, you want to drop the conversation now? I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, no, I tell you what, it was harrowing at the weekend because um, I, uh, I I love my grandchildren, as you know. I've got 10 oh. of them. And uh, I actually was looking after Huxie uh, for about 48 hours over the weekend, which was a very interesting experience looking after a three-year-old. I love your grandkids. I live uh, vicariously through you. Um, that, can you go through the names uh, of your grandchildren? Yeah, I can. Uh, from the top down, okay? Yep. First born. Yep. So we had Frankie. Fiano. That, that was Frankie. That's Frankie. Yep. Goldie. Love it. Winnie. Winnie. Love it. Rooney. R-O-O-N-E-Y. Yeah. Yep. Girl. Junie. Juniper. Juniper. Yep. Huxie. Huxtable. Or Huxtable. Or, is it Huxtable? No, it's Huxie. Is his name Huxie or Huxtable? His name is Huxie. What's Dunstall laughing at? I don't know. He's <laughs> laughing his head I'll off. I'll get to there. him later. Huxy, yep. Woof. Woofy. Love Woof. Digsy. Digger. And what's his second name? Wispy. <laughs> Digger Wispy. He, that's a true story. This is tr- These two blokes in the studio with us think he's joking. He's the, the, the one of the grandkids' names, Digger Wispy. <laughs> yep. Uh, where are we up to? Digger. Digger. Um, that's eight. Yes. Uh... Snowy, have I missed one? I've missed Snowy. Snowy's only five uh, weeks old That's or six nine. weeks old. Yeah, Three, four, five, six, seven. That's nine. Oh no, this will go down well. Oh, the grandkids hear this. I'd love to know which one you've forgotten. I've forgotten and one. Miss, you've forgotten one. Here. I've forgotten one. Right, let's have a thing. I'll just read. We'll them. stop the broadcast now, and I'll make a call. Frankie, <laughs> Goldie, Winnie, Rooney, Juniper, Huxy, Wolf, Digger, Wispy, Snowy. And one other, that's the greatest assembly of grandkids' names I've ever heard. I love I love every one of them, especially I, Digger Wispy. I'll think of the other one soon. I met him the other day. I met Digger Wispy. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, in the back seat of the car. Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah. And anyway, so Huxy, Huxy was great, but uh, we had uh, we had Chippies. What else did we have? We had uh, Gelato. Well, you fed, we had TV. You we had Sushi. <laughs> For three days. Well, he'd cry. He Mum and I'd say, okay, let's go up the street and get some sushi. Okay, starts crying again. Okay, let's go up the street and get some gelato. Huxley what was, about some chippies? Huxley That'll was, stop you from crying. Huxley was in the back seat <laughs> throwing a wobbly. And mate, you're, I'm not sure which of your daughters, I can't remember, said, what's wrong? He goes, I, w- I want chippies 
and get the girl salad. That's what he said. <laughs> he did say that. Too. How old is he? Four. <laughs> no, he's three. Three. He's three. Oh, well, that's good. And were you grandparenting on your own? Uh, on my own, yeah, on my own for a period of time, which uh, is it's it's fun. It's fun, but they're busy, aren't they? You wouldn't know this, but yeah, well, kids are really busy, got, really, it. really busy. But that was my weekend. But you had a much well. I read about your weekend too in the paper over the weekend. Oh, yeah. There's very little that you do these days that doesn't get uh, reported. In well, that way. wasn't my fault. The reporting of that came about because you, after a private conversation, you said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going out to play golf. And, blah, blah, blah. and then you just blurted out on air. But it was a good, it's a great trip. Um, caught up with all my mates from the footy show days, which, again, you don't, unless you concentrate on it and make the effort, you can lose touch with uh, your mates. Yeah, you can. You do need to make uh, a regular yeah, effort. I haven't always been great at that because I'm... Around. Well, you're busy though too because well, really. you get on with your life and you get really busy. No, and... you just potter around on your own. You go, you get in your own routine and you don't make the effort. So it was good. I'm glad you, know, you started it and the, we all got there. The other great thing about that is you just pick up where you left off though. Like if I see blokes that I played so footy true. with in the in the 80s so and you go back into say the same formation that you might have had yep. in terms of the hierarchy back in the 80s and the yep. 90s and it's great to catch up with people when you haven't seen them in a while. I hadn't seen time. Sam in that sort of, you know, for continuously a couple of days for, I don't know, a few years we haven't been to each other. Honestly, there is no Was he in one, good form? There is no one that makes me laugh like that man. I'm in the cart with him. So the, I'm going around with the cart, in just he and I playing golf. Because mm. no. he's got a crook ankle though too, hasn't he? Yes. Are you let, I don't know how much of this I'm allowed to say because... I know that there no, is no. Some you can say you can talk about the fact that he got the GPS taken off the cart because David Evans, who's the owner, yep. and friend, got it taken off because he couldn't walk through every because the carts can't take you everywhere you hit your ball. It'd be mm. ideal if it was down the middle every time, but that's not the case. So we had the GPS taken off. So, he, but there was a weight limit on how much stuff he could take in the helicopter. So he just turns up with his golf clubs under his arm, right? Like, but, just to, like how many ten golf clubs sitting there? I go, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, you know, we were told to travel light. I said, well, I don't reckon the three kilo golf bag is going <laughs> to. So he's walking around with these golf clubs. And anyway, we had we had such a good time, and he's so funny. But um, whew, boy, Jingo. And not Lelu. I hit a ball. Lelu is the name of the oh, tent. <laughs> really How could you forget Lelu? It's extraordinary. <laughs> I hit a. I'm a shocking golf. I hit off the tee a ball that went. I can start concentrating on what you're saying. Okay. So it went 15 metres yep. just to the right into right. the shrubs. One of your good shots. Yeah. And Jim, James Rachel goes, oh, that's all right. You'll find it. Like, you know, is mm. it trying to be, trying to, you know, yep. uh, keep my confidence up. Mm. Well, you reckon Sam didn't run with that for the next, oh, that's all right, Jimmy, is it? <laughs> that's all right. The fact that a grown man just hit a golf ball <laughs> 10 metres into the, you reckon that's, you, that's a condescending <laughs> load of crap that you reckon. Yeah, I mean, tell Gary, that's a shit shot. You don't, he's a, he's a big enough man to be able to tell him that's, that's just awful. And Jim's going, oh, well, you know what I mean? I, said, I mean, you know, you're all right. You'll find it there. Oh, well, that's all right, is it? Yeah, it's a, so that's, that's the sort of conversation that went for three days. You wouldn't have lost your confidence though, would you? No, not at all. Bounce back hard and aggressively. It was warm up there at the weekend. Did he bring a costume, a swimming costume? <laughs> no, well, what? He went commando in the pool. No, no. You sure? Tim, he did not. Because David didn't. Evans sent me a message about no, some, some CTV. Well, if he did, I didn't. CCTV vision that he I had I never up there. saw it, if that was the case. Um, but it was a very, very nice time. Very, very nice time. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, Sounds like a loose time you had up there. I want to. I want to ask you a question. You, mm. I've, I'm, I'm on the record as saying that you are my idol. Idol. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, you can't get it out. <laughs> yes, you were. So you had a poster to to people that haven't heard the story. You had a poster of me up uh, on the wall, didn't you? Oh, well, if you want to back over it, uh, yes. <laughs> and you used to stroke it every night before you went to bed, didn't and you? And the poster. I wasn't that in Tim, I loved you. I wasn't that enamored with you, but I did. I, I did. Anyway. And then Bev used to come in. <laughs> anyway. Stop it, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's wispy, Dad. It's wispy. You'll go blind. Hang on. Oh, come on. Just... <laughs> Where, what rabbit hole are you going down now? Anyway, so it's, when it's it came. So, bad. so we played to get we played against <laughs> each other. We played together in a couple on a couple of occasions. Yeah. But then you moved into the commentary field. Yes. Right? I'm still playing. 
well ahead of you. So then my idol is commentating on me. My idol is sitting there passing judgment on me as a player. This game was sent to me. It was a Sydney Swans versus Melbourne game. And they said, I'm not sure the wisp was all that uh, enamoured with your form. On this game, I played Ruck Rover, which I can't remember ever playing Ruck right. Rover. I did, and I, I had three goals in the first 20 minutes. So I thought... I think they moved you into the centre, if I recall correctly, because you're being towed up as a defender. I started in the centre for the game, so I'm not sure how that works. Okay, it must be another game I'm thinking <laughs> Anyway, have a listen to some of your... Like, Sharpest work? Well, you be, you be the judge. Straight in front, Gary Lyon kicks a goal for the Demons. And that was a wonderful bit of play then by Oxford. Good handball over to Lyon. And uh, Lyon, who looks to be ruck roving, has been picked up by Brunton following on the beautiful kick. He's really one of the, the better players in the AFL. And it's interesting to see he's played just about everywhere, Gary Lyon, and he's playing as a ruck rover today. Three goals to Gary Lyon. And, gee, this game, changing fortunes. Well, there's a poor kick then, uh, by the Sydney defence, choosing the wrong option. They should have gone a lot wider towards the boundary line, sending it up far too much. And then Gary Lyon, to be given that sort of latitude, he's just far too good a player to be given that much space. You've, oh. you've doctored. You've doctored that, Tate. That's, <laughs> not, there, my, that's not my real was voice. Was there any chance you could get up out of your chair at some stage? Clearly, I wasn't moved by you the performance or the, the game. Straight to the negative. Oh, boy, that's a very poor kick by the Sydney Swans. You've doctored that. <laughs> I have not. Doctored. You've doctored. Well, people can hear my voice now, and I sound nothing like what I sound on that tape. That no, was thank my God. Thank the God. Thank the God. That was gods. my audition tape to go and work at you. <laughs> I want to be part of a premiership side. And you've doctored it. All right. And then there's, there's a guy called. Um, was I not complimentary enough for you? Chris Sullivan. Yeah. Number four. He mm. had a very good game this game. Kicked four goals. Have a listen here. I think Sullivan, a very fit young player, very quick, Will of the Wisp type player. <laughs> Will of the Wisp style of player. Some of the best vernacular you'll ever hear there. And then the insights you gave. Have we got this bit? Oh, we haven't got it. So which part of this aren't you happy with? No, no. It's, I, it was sent to me and I'm listening. I'm thinking, oh, well, you know. I know everybody listening to this will be thinking exactly the same thing. How often do you see How often do you see chance the whisk could show some excitement in no, his commentary? No, that's not what they're thinking. They're thinking, how often does Gary sit at home in a darkened room watching himself on tape? That's what everybody's thinking. 226 games, put them on rotation, <laughs> just come back. I'm going Do you that, like I ask you this question. Do you like do you like watching yourself? Only when play? I play well. <laughs> I'm not interested in any game where I'm not getting a kick. <laughs> Is that how you see it? <laughs> I don't watch any. I don't watch any. I've never watched any, I, and I don't I like watching really, anything. I really, really watch any of my That's footy. interesting, because you can reel off every game you've ever I've played well man. in. I have a good memory, <laughs> but I would have thought my boyhood idol could have got a bit excited when I've kicked. Oh, what did I say to you, too, about footy? Midfield. Mm. How easy is it playing the midfield? Yeah, not hard. It's, yeah. Not hard. Well, I tell you what is or has been an easier position to play than the midfield. And you said I was playing play like, half back. Actually, where you played for most of your career. Brooksy, look up uh, Sydney Swans nineteen ninety two and see if there's a player called Brunton playing because I cannot recall. No. Any that crossed my mind too <laughs> when I was listening. I might have invented a player there. <laughs> you can't recall any player called Brunton. <laughs> he goes. Oh, he's been and I love Alan. And uh, Lyon, who's uh, playing as a ruck rumour, seems to be picked up by Brunton. I didn't model my, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't model myself an Alan McGilvro. That's, oh, that's a you sound like. Anyway, I don't yeah. think I don't know that Brunton played. Was there a Brunton? I don't know. I've never heard of a There might who? have been a Brunton at Sydney. Yeah. Sydney. I take it back. South Melbourne, Sydney? Yeah. Neil, yeah, there you go. Neil Brunton. Take that back. Take that back. I live in 10 minutes. Hey, can um, we? Yeah, go on. Yeah, well, just on that, because mm -hmm. you've just reminded me of something, because last week we talked about the fact that you had that wild offer, that mad offer to go to Channel 7, and I asked you a direct question about the contractual arrangement that may have been offered to you at that time mm -hmm. to go to Channel 7, and you said there wasn't one, no. but I believe there was one. No, there was a, I think you used that too. No. It's up no, the no. ante at Channel 9. No, yeah. You said, no, there was an offer to, like money. There would have been more money to leave, for sure. You said no last week. You said no, it didn't I get didn't. to that stage. I said we were not contracted at Channel 9 
for much. Right. And there'd be more, because we were doing nothing. Like right. The, Eddie was the star and Sam and Trevor were the star. That's right. We were just the window dressing. What were you getting when you first got there? When I got there, I was being paid per episode like everybody else was. How much? 900 or 900? Might have been 1,200. I don't well, know. Well, how come you were the first person on the whole show? Why didn't you stay? Where, how come you ended up at Channel 7? Because I got an offer from Channel 7 to go there and do the news. And so I rang up Ian Johnson, who was the boss well, there. You, you, Channel 7 offered you the news reading job on the back of you being on the footy show panel. They didn't offer at the at first it wasn't the news reading job. They said to come and work in news. Like Tom Brown style. Yeah, Tom Brown. So Tom I got Brown, a call Tom from Brown. David Broadbent, who was the news director at the time. Broody. And uh, he spoke to me. I'll get back to that in a second because before that happened, I went back to Jono at Channel 9 and yeah. I said, look, I've had this offer from Channel 7 mm-hmm. and I wasn't really wanting to play one off against the other, but sounds I said, like what have you I said, what, like have, what have you got to keep me? That's exactly what it sounds like. And he said, well, have a look. <laughs> and then he rang me back and he said, look, we've organised for you to go to Sydney to talk to the boss up there, David Leckie. No one else got this trip. And I'm thinking, well, this is interesting. So I went up there and David Leckie offered me a job to be one of the reporters on the getaway program. He said this would require <laughs> a lot of overseas travel. And the whisp oh, I shouldn't talk about myself no, as a third person. Exactly but- yeah, you should talk about yourself. <laughs> the wisp was offered a getaway plum roll. That was the that was the plumest role in television. At that time it was a How much? Very well, we didn't really go down that track. Hundred and twenty five oh. a hundred and twenty five thousand dollars to go and travel the world on Channel Nine's dime. Yeah, but it was only part time. Oh, well, part time one hundred and twenty five thousand. Yes, exactly, That's... exactly. So this is back in nineteen ninety. Uh, oh, can you three ninety four? One of those years. Right, so you get so anyway. So cha- get away, fly up the front of the plane, mm-hmm. and go around and do a story. Each story was about 11 minutes. Yes. Yeah, so as so I said, that's grand. right. As I said, I didn't want to play one off against the other. So I went back to Channel 7. And I said, look, <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been offered. I've been offered 125. Can you do a little bit better than that? And I don't really want to be flying around the world. I prefer to stay here in Melbourne. So tough flying around the world. So they said, uh, what about 135? And I said, sounds okay. And I didn't play one off against the other. And I went back to John and I said, look, I've got 135 here. Can you up the ante? He said, he I'll said, drive you as, there. He said, that's as far as we can go. So you left for 135 grand. That's right. And then so David Broadbent said, look, uh, before we employ you though, so we got a little bit way down the track. And he said, but look, before we need to do that, what you need to do is you need to do probably an audition. And I thought, okay, well, what do I do? What do you require me to do? He said, that, look. Wasn't that footy tape? No. He said, be at the Travel Lodge uh, Hotel, uh, motel, whatever it is, on the corner near Channel Seven on St Kilda Road. There, that hotel there, and gave ah. me gave gave me a room number. And uh, does sound very seedy, <laughs> very very seedy. It does sound seedy, doesn't it? So I went there, I knocked on the door, opened it up, and there was uh, the camera guy, and they'd set up an auto queue in uh, one of the rooms there because it was clandestine at this stage. No one was to know about. Because you it. still had the you still had the getaway offer in your back pocket. <laughs> You still had the 120 in the back pocket. You didn't want to blow that well, out. I'm, of the I'm sure where I wanted to go at this stage. So um, I did that, and then they offered me the role after that. I remember your early days, if I could be a, uh, just as an analyst on the couch. <laughs> Not good. Your, your um, auto cue technique was you're pretty wide eyed. Yeah, I was. You? Did you have the wrong contacts in? I had no contacts in. Oh, that's why. No, I'd like a bow constrictor around my neck. That's what I had. So you did that, then you went and coached St Kilda. Mm, yeah, I did. How long after that? Uh, I went and coached St Kilda 99-2000-ish. I went and looked that record up last mm. night. And? After 10 rounds of your first year, you were seven wins, three losses on top of the ladder. That's right. Yep. And then I took over after that. One of the assistants was coaching <laughs> up. <laughs> that wasn't. I was playing in that. I was. Oh, I was playing. I don't want anyone to talk about those days. No, but anyway, you'd coach for two years. Yeah, I did, and then came the realization that the, the getaway job. <laughs> I rang John. I said, "Is that <laughs> is that getaway job still? Halfway, Have you filled that role yet on getaway?" Halfway two thousand, <laughs> you said, "John, you wouldn't have had that uh, contract." <laughs> Anyway, you left. He's cooked. He's cooked, right? So I, I, this is this is a true story, which I've had this story retold by other people. And the true story is that I went to the St Kilda people 
late in that year with about six rounds to go. This is in 2000. Yeah. Yep. And um, I, I said, look, I'm done. This will give you time to make the announcement and then we move on and all that type of thing. And I spoke to Tomo. Grant Thomas was the football director. Yep. Yep. I met him in his office, told him, all the rest. So we sort of set that in motion. And then, so I left, I left uh, there. I had no job to go to. Uh, I got a call from Channel 7 that maybe they could sit down and have a discussion with me. Come back. Get my old job back, Ooh, right? Hello. So I went, I went and met the boss there of Channel 7, a guy by the name of David Aspinall who was a man of few words. Asper. Yep. No niceties about him whatsoever. Yep. I sat opposite him at the desk and he said, well, <clears throat> coaching hasn't been necessarily very good for your profile or your <laughs> reputation. Uh, we can have you back at seven, but we can't put you on the footy. Why? Yeah, because you have no credibility. <laughs> That's what he said That's to me. That's what he said to you. I took it. <laughs> <laughs> What else could I say? I had to take it. So I said, okay, I was after a job. I needed a job. He said, no. Swallowed your pride. I swallowed my pride. He said, we'll put you back on the weekends. You can read the sport again on the weekends. Saturday, Sunday, no football for you. And we can only afford to pay you 300. (laughs) That's once double what I was getting. I didn't say anything. I said, sure there's no movement? (laughs) Is that all you can afford to pay me? He said, yep. I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll do it for that if that's the case. That's unbelievable. So you did the Monday, you did Saturday, Sunday. I did Saturday, Sunday, and I got paid. I can't remember. Three, I got paid about th- double what I was getting paid and then when previously. Did, did you transfer onto the main desk? Uh, I didn't get to the main desk um, until Sandy uh, yeah. moved on, which was many, many years later. Many years. How later. long have you been doing that job? Uh, over twenty years now. You've been reading the Seven News for more than twenty years. Mm. How much a year you get for that? A certain amount. <laughs> That's. Geez, you're a wealthy man. That's that's longevity is in this business is hard to come by. That's, that's right. Imagine though, wh- where do you reckon I'd be had I taken up the offer to be a reporter on the getaway? Do you reckon would I be you'd doing be, the Carl job now? No, you know? no, no. You'd be hosting a cruise through the Galapagos <laughs> Islands. With a bunch of 80-year-old women. <laughs> with Katrina Roundtree. <laughs> with Ray Martin by your side. <laughs> I tell you what, at some point when we go down the rabbit hole, because this is my favourite story of all time, oh. and I'll just, we won't get to it today, but we'll go down the rabbit hole one day. Yes. And we'll talk to you today. about the day that Saddam Hussein popped up <laughs> in the streets. I said, do that next week. I, <laughs> that, is my favorite sto- that, that is my favorite People story think of all that's time. that's a joke. I was watching that day. With, I don't even know why I was watching. What year did it happen? I reckon 2000, maybe 1999, I reckon it was shortly after I quit at St Kilda. I reckon I was on the couch watching morning TV and you in popped fetal, up. In the fetal position. In the fetal position. And you, you saw me in the... And up pops... Ga- that that, that, brought, that brought me better. back to life, I think. There's somebody... There's somebody... Someone worse, more ill-equipped than me out there. There's someone in a worse position than me. Have a look at him. Talking about international affairs. Tim, is to this day, remains one of the biggest stories of the century. And they had you doing it. Happened to be in the middle of it. (laughs) You're listening to the Rabbit Hole with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson for tyre power storewide super sale now on with 25% off on selected Kumo passenger and SUV tyres. Welcome back to the Rabbit Hole. Oh, it's with great pleasure we introduced the first... We've never had a guest. Like we've never. We've only done two Rabbit Hole podcasts, and now we're having our first guest, and we thought it's entirely appropriate, given that the program or the podcast is called The Rabbit Hole, and we go down areas we're not all that sure where we're going. When you said to me, for our radio show, why don't we get a wine bloke on? I said, well, what? We, we wine all day, every day. Why do we need another one? <laughs> Your reaction uh, typifies. Yeah, well, no, it was a good zinger. We'll put some sound effects into it <laughs> a bit later <laughs> and some fake laughter as well. <laughs> um, but you weren't that interested at all. And I said to you at the time, because I'd already gone down the wine rabbit hole, I said to you at the time, you'd be surprised, Gary, how many people are interested and fascinated in wine and aren't prepared to ask some really simple, basic questions about wine because they get embarrassed. Well, because there's a good reason for that, because 
the perception of the, those sorts of people, and I put you into this category, mm. is they're wankers when it comes to wine. I know you do, but the people that I have met in the wine industry, because I'm very I rest closely my I rest, I rest my case. With it. <laughs> but this there is the are thing. anything but wankers. So they're like you and I. They're farmers. No, That's what they are. Not like me and you. No, no, you and I are farmers. Like, so what about this one? Oh, it's got nice body. No, no, no. Oh, it's, it's got good clarity of it. I go, mate, that's not – we need someone on that can perhaps describe it in a manner that's going to resonate more with our audience. You said I've got the man. Yep. That man's George Samios. He's now that big. He's doing public speaking gigs in privately held um, golf courses around the world. Is he really? He is. And he's joined us as our first guest. Georgie, welcome, Georgie boy. Thanks, guys. Good to be here. Congratulations on the rabbit hole. Thank you. Where have you been moonlighting before we go any further? No, it's not moonlighting. I've been, doing, where, where I've been doing stuff like that well before you guys even woke up to wine. No, no, I was just with a group of people <laughs> last week yet. and I bumped into Gaz who chopped, got off the chopper at the you golf course. You didn't used to charge like you do now and now no. that you've got a public profile. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah. What did you have when Tim said, come on, so did you know each other? You too. So you were working at the time. You were with Treasury Wines, correct? Yes. You yeah. are a massive, massive um, wine company that look after Penfolds, amongst others. Yeah, that's right. And I know I knew Tim obviously through Essendon, and uh, you know admired him obviously a bit like you when I was growing up watching the great man play footy as a Bombers supporter, and then. Uh, then I realised he was into wine, so uh, that's how it came about. First week of COVID, maybe it was lockdown. I think we started. You may be, but I think I sat next to you at uh, Xavier Campbell's 40th birthday at Correct. the Botanic Hotel, oh. and I remember talking to you, thinking, "God, there's a wanker. wine, there's a wine wanker here, right, <laughs> right here on the left side. How can I move my chair during this luncheon to get away from this bloke?" <laughs> yeah, the feeling was mutual. Don't worry. <laughs> so the idea was to come on. And and then I played deliberately the dummy. No, not deliberately. <laughs> no, no, you've been typecast. It, was, it wasn't a role as hard for you to no, do. Like, no, well, that wasn't. So I wasn't a massive big wine drinker, and, and I still aren't. But Tim, and all jokes aside, knows what he's talking about. So the idea was to speak at a level that, for those that are right into their wine, such as you two, can, and I've spoken to all those people who love the segment, mm. but also to introduce people back on my level who go, yeah, well, I don't really need to know dates and, you know, what sort of weather. I just want to know what it tastes like and whether I like it. And you've done it magnificently. And we, we, we talk about it all the time. As yep. soon as we start to talk about it, and ours is a sports station, but the amount of people who get involved and invest in it has been illuminating. It is. It's the ultimate rabbit hole to go down, though. The wine rabbit hole, isn't it? It is. It is. And to do it, you know, I remember when we started doing it and I said to people, oh, you know, we're doing this thing in the mornings and on radio. And they'd say, what do you mean you're talking about wine on radio and in the mornings? And then I'd say, yeah, and it's on a sports station. And they'd say, oh, you're crazy. And I'd say, and it's with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson. And they'd just laugh and think, how crazy <laughs> is that? But actually, I think that's been the learning for me that your audience is so broad, yeah. but also... Short, sharp, keep it simple works. Can I just say, though, because you said that I know a lot about wine. I actually don't know a lot about wine, oh, but I know, I, know, I know more about growing grapes and looking after a vineyard than what I do about yeah, wine. No. I haven't got a great palate. I'm not, I'm not oh, a wine buff as such. Truth coming out now. Mm. No, but I, I like to learn, and I'm learning more and more about wine as a result of that. And one of the things is you go into a, you go into a wine, you know, like you go into a cellar door or whatever it might be, and you look at all these different bottles – and you're completely confounded by, you know, what some of those varieties are. And that's, and that's what you've been doing really well. You've been able to demystify a lot of that conversation. Yeah, I think that's the problem with wine. It's so complicated. It's, it, you know, and the people that make it are obsessed with making it. But when you enjoy a bottle of wine, actually how it's made it is irrelevant. I think the most important thing is what does it taste like and what's the story behind it? I think the bottle of wine is the best stimulus for a story in the world. So if I travel overseas yes. tomorrow, I'll take a bottle of wine from, say, the Margaret River, and I can tell the story about the First Nation people. I can tell the story about our climate, the surfing, the football, everything over a bottle of wine. Mm. So it's a good way to start a story. Is a reflection on the region and the country. And it's, so is our wine reflect our Australian personality, like on the world stage? They go, oh, is it big? Is it bold? You know, is it you know, a bit, bit unrefined, but still, you know, is that the way we talk about it? Yeah, I think it is. And I think, you know, when Australian wine became big overseas in the 80s, the thing that people fell in love with was we didn't have the rules and regulations of the old world like the French and the Italians, and our winemakers were out. 
and they were charismatic and they'd tell a story and they'd slap someone's back and they'd have a laugh and they'd talk about football and racing or whatever. And everyone would think, actually, these guys are real people. Mm. But they're farmers, as you said, yeah. making amazing wine. So I think our wines do re- reflect our personality. There's a real humility about people who make wine, though, Garrett, because at, on the, in the, like you are at the mercy of the weather and the seasons and all the things that may come and go. Like those people are hard, like they're like hardcore farmer people. I grew up in the country alongside farmers, and they remind me of those people living, you know, making a living off the land. They're that type of person. And you talk about, you know, like uh, the people at the top end, the toffee end that might be sort of, you know. Yeah, Wolfie. Yeah, those, those, those type of people. But the people who actually make the wine, who run the vineyard, they're terrific people. Very grounded, down-to-earth people. Oh, yeah. I was in the Barossa Valley last week and I met a family that's been growing grapes for winery for 112 years. So three generations. And... You guys are farmers, so you know. Well, you, you yeah, talk about right. being you're farmers, right. you're not. But um, true. you get one crack at it in the year, mm. one vintage. Mother Nature's your number one business partner who is totally unreliable. And you imagine this family for 112 years having lived and died. Their, their, their whole livelihood is on that bit of land. They look after it so well. They talk to the vines. They do everything to get it across the line. So the economics of it all now, though, like we are in tough economic times. What What... What, what sort of money should this is? I, these are the questions I always interested. I'm not going to go and pay seventy bucks for a bottle of wine if I don't know I like it. A and it need to be a pretty good occasion. I mean, where where's it sitting these days? People listening to this podcast go, yeah, okay, yeah. I, am, I know the grange is worth eight hundred or a thousand or whatever it might be, but if I'm having a bottle of wine tonight or a Friday night when I get home, you know, for the footy, what where, where's it sit? What level should we be investing in? In terms of dollar amount. Yeah, I think, and I think that's probably been the secret to what we talk about every week on the show with you guys. If you stick around 20 to 40 bucks, you're getting a great bottle of wine in Australia. The more you spend, the better you get. But is that not always, true or not? No, no, it is. Uh, what do you think the average in Australia is that someone spends on a bottle of wine in a bottle shop, not a restaurant? 18 bucks. 18, what do you think? Wisp? I think 30 to 35. Yeah, well, you guys are in the bubble, right? Um, it's $10.80. See, that's the average ten dollars eighty. So you guys, you know, you're doing well, and you you, you socialise. Oh, well, closer to the average person. Yeah, well, that is. I, I, I mean, gone yeah, for yeah. thirty five bucks. <laughs> when I, I said, do that for a bloody anniversary. When I said thirty to thirty five, I was talking about a half dozen. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you I was talking about a half no, dozen bottles of no, wine. Exactly where you no, sit. No, that's that's because people can't afford it, right? And if they can buy a bottle for ten bucks, how good? Even if it may, might not be the absolute smoothest thing they drink. No, that's right. But I think also Australia does make really good, uh, more commercial wines. And for some people, buying a $20 bottle of wine is actually special. Yeah. And you can. And that's okay. And so I think 20 to 40. And, I, and the more wine I taste, yep, I love the wines that are more expensive for the right occasion. But I still go back to if I want to have three, four bottles in a week, maybe 20 to 40 is okay. And can mm. you genuinely get a good bottle of wine for 10 bucks? Uh, there's some that are, yeah. The economies of scale in Can you Australia. give us some right here now? Uh, well, one week we recommended the Wolf Blash Red Label oh. Shiraz Grenache, which at the moment is probably $8 in major retailers. And that is a decent bottle of wine. So Wolf, it's a Wolf, I went and bought it just to try Red it. Label Shiraz Grenache. Shiraz Grenache. Yeah. And, the way, and why that yeah. wine is so yeah. good is because the Grenache that goes into it is actually worth a lot more money than it should be going into an $8 bottle of wine. But it goes in there because that's what the winemakers have decided to do. It's a great little wine. If you find a wine, as I have, and I'll, I'll give it another mention in a minute. Yep. And then I continue, I, every every wine you recommend us, I go out and buy and try it, right? And it's all great. But I go back to this one that I love. Yep. Should you just drink that? If yep. you found one you love, and well, you really enjoy, and mine, thankfully, is an 18 to 24 bucket, depending on where you buy it, why would I go checking it, searching anything else? It's boring. Just it, it's well, boring finding a wine that you love, as opposed to buying sorry, one I'll, you don't. I'll let George answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> it's boring. He's telling me with his eyes. Uh, no, I think you should. But I think uh, in on average, we end up with a repertoire of about five to ten wines that we always go back to. Now, not every time we drink wine. Mm. So for yours, the Little Giant should be part of your repertoire. 
But every now and then you've got different people around, you're having different food, you might, it might be warmer, it might be colder. You try something different. Yeah, I'm with George on this because I think what you should be doing, what you, without trying to give you advice because I would never do. ever every, try every and do that. Do. I wouldn't try and do that. But if you like Grenache, then you can go down the rabbit hole of Googling and saying, okay, what's something like a Grenache that they make in Spain or in France or <laughs> some other part? No, some other part of the world. And then just expand no, your repertoire. Don't have to. That's a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think it's a waste I think, of time. Doing no that. waste of my time. And I think that's the problem with wine is that often when we find one we like, we are scared to go out and do something a bit different. And if we could work out a way, then in a retail store, Gaz walked in and it said, "Here's all the wines that taste like Little Giant." He would then try more. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's, I would. That that's would be the a great holy thing. grail. I would but do. Yes. But it's just about impossible to do. People have done apps and programs and algorithms, but. It, you need it to happen in the store. That when you walk into your bottle shop, it's somehow curated like that. So have you just locked your mind on Grenache now and you don't think about any other Shiraz. wine? I'll drink a Shiraz. You drink a Shiraz as well. So yeah. when what's your go-to Shiraz then? I haven't drank it for a long time. You've been on Grenache for a while. In fact, you single-handedly put Grenache back on the... Gary Grenache. Yeah, Gary Grenache. <laughs> Lang, Lang Miles. Lang Miles, yeah. That's the first one that you recommended, yep. which I loved. Yep. And I, I, I stuck with that, and then I went to the uh, yep. Little Giant. Yeah. So, um, the, well, the Penfolds, I'll buy Penfold Shiraz. If I'm buying a Shiraz and want to spend a bit of money, then I'll buy Penfold yep. Shiraz. I don't know enough about it. I, that's what I'm saying. I go back to it because I know I'll buy that and I'll like it. That's right. Yeah, and that, that, that's a good reason to go back and buy a bottle of wine too. But, you know, in... Like reading about, say, Italian, I think in Italy there's like 1,500 different white wine varieties or is it white and red wine variety combined? Uh, it's combined. But the thing in Italy and most of those countries is it's province-led. So if you grow up in the Tuscany area, if you live in Florence mm. your whole life, you only drink the wines from that area. So that would be like you only drinking wines from the inner part of Victoria, because that's where you live. Or Gippsland or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's right. But actually, here in Australia, we are a little bit more promiscuous, but we're still loyal to Australia. Mm. But you'll drink wines from the west, from New South Wales, etc. That's a great point, though. That need just remind me. So I'll buy Heathcote Shiraz. Yeah. yeah. From Heathcote, because George just told me that's a good area for Shiraz. Yeah. And so I'll buy... One of the best things we did was the, line, the wine ladder. Yes. Right? So in terms of rating... The lighter wine, and then working our way down the ladder to the heaviest. That because, for me, I don't like driving drinking the really really heavy stuff, but I also don't like the light stuff. So that's why I just tried the grash, and that's where I've settled. But for a lot of people, they don't kind of understand where it all sits. So that wine ladder that you put out was magnificent. Yeah, and I think that goes back to what I was saying. If you could, you know, if the three of us, another one on the business side, years you guys can talk about, but never get there. Um, if we opened the bottle shop where it was lightest to heaviest, I reckon that would help people. Yeah, absolutely, it would. Yeah, it would. yeah, yeah. Um, because then you know, because when you go to the bookstore, it says thrillers, biographies. But mm. in, when you go in the wine store, it just says Chardonnay. Well, there's a lot of different types of Chardonnay. Yeah. Exactly. You go there and you say, I want a Chardonnay, and you go somewhere and it says. Okay, this is like a Chardonnay. It's at this end of the Chardonnay. Correct. Give it a try. Yeah, that's right. But you need somebody to be able to guide you to that. Yeah, that's right. And I think yeah, wine writers in the past did that. Uh, they've probably lost a little bit of relevance in the digital world. So now it's more the the guy in the store, and then you know little segments like we do. I think helps people. What about the? This is the other thing. You know, again, white wine with. Fish and you know, chicken or whatever, red wine with red meat. Is that – do you have to go by that? No. No, exactly. That's where the wankers come into it. Correct. Yes, I agree with you there. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what Tim does. Yeah. No, no. I, no. no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't do that. I don't. In fact, I don't like drinking wine while I'm eating. I prefer to drink before I eat. It knocks over yeah, four or five what, bottles. That's right. That's right. Is that what you do? Was what? No, no. I love it with food. I think that's one of the joys in life. Food, people, and wine, the three of them together is the go. But, Gaz, you're, you're 100% right. We've got to get away from that stuff. Good. I, don't, yeah, I, don't like the, I don't like the people part of it either. So I prefer to drink on, the my, wine. on my own mm. before I eat. Yeah. <laughs> Cask wine we speak about regularly, whether or not that is – it's got a, a stigma about it. But you say to us that, no, there's some good cask wine. There is some good cask wine. And I think as we become more sustainable focused, cask is still one of the best receptacles to have wine in because 
now that the bladder inside is recyclable, um, it's better for things like outdoor occasions like boating and down the beach, etc., where you can't take glass. Now, you're not going to put a cellar, uh, you're not going to put a cask wine in the cellar. But if you bought a wine that's a $30 or $40 wine that you're going to drink in the next two weeks, mm. nothing wrong with cask. And there's some good ones around. All right. What, what sort of person puts a cellar in their house? Um, well, some of them do it for the wrong reason. Some of them do it just to showcase. Some do it because they're into wine and they want to sell the wines for their kids or for future drinking. Um, and I think the more and more I see of sellers, the more and more people waste their money sometimes because they fill it up with crap wine and it's all about the amount of bottles they've got, mm. not the quality. Right. They and, make them too big, do they? Yeah, they make them too big, and it's almost a bit of a bragging factor of how many bottles I've got. Now, I've seen some wonderful sellers, especially here in Melbourne, where the weather is better suited to it. But sometimes you walk in there and you think, oh, my God, why have you got all these wines? Some of them are cactus. Right, we're going to, we're getting time. So, recommendations are the best thing that you've done for me, right? Because I can go into the bottle shop and be overwhelmed by. Thousands of different sorts of wine. And then I go, okay, well, I'm just, this is a lottery for me. Uh, but if I get a recommendation from you or from Tim or from someone who knows what's going on, then it's great. So that get, well, we need some recommendations for the podcast and we'll continue to do it when you join us on the radio. But this is a thing where, you say, my sisters, they you know, like a glass of wine or my mum loves a glass of wine up there. So a recommendation for them from you is highly sought after. So give us some of your best. Uh, well, I, I often talk about pick a wine region and a variety that works. So for you, it's Grenache from Barossa Valley or from McLaren Vale. So you just hone in on that area. If you like Heathcote Shiraz, hone in on that area. I'm a Chardonnay fan. I hone in on Margaret mm. River and Yarra Valley and Tasmania. Tassie? I love Tassie. If the three of us bought a vineyard tomorrow or built or planted the vineyard, it'd be Tassie. Really? Because of the Pinot and Chardonnay that comes out of there is world class. And as the climate changes, maybe our kids will be making some of the best Cabernet from Australia. Could be coming from down in Tassie. It doesn't need to warm up too much in a couple of the areas. So I always go back to pick the region and the variety you like. Um, and then within that, you get the makers, whether it's a Penfolds and you love their style of red. Or you go to Western Australia and it might be Kate Mentel or someone. Okay, what's your go-to Chardonnay then? Um Everyday Chardonnay. Yeah, everyday yes. go-to yes. Chardonnay. Coldstream Hills from the Yarra Valley. Coldstream Hills. Okay, yep. you go to everyday Pinot. Um, probably Springvale, Tasmania. And dollars ish. Thirty-five to forty. Coldstream Chardonnay, twenty-five to thirty. Go to Shiraz. Uh, well, Pepper Jack Shiraz is the number one That's Shiraz number in Australia. One. No, it's not. It's probably not the one I'd go to all the time, but it's the number one in the country for a reason because it's damn good. Um, I probably would go Saltram Mamre Brook. Oh, yes. Shiraz. 30 to 35. Getting up there. Yeah. You know, oh, we know the go-to Grenache, it's the little giant. Um, what else and- do Cabs have? The caps have yeah. Uh, well, you've got to go to you've got to go to Coonawarra or Margaret River, and I would say it'd be a combination between Wins Black Label, Leckenfield Cabernet in Coonawarra, and Cape Mentel in Margaret River. You like your sparkling too, Tasmania, um, Aris or Clover Hill. What every, is it? it? Aris or Clover Hill every day of the week. Shoots, uh, thirty to forty. Right. Um, and I, I say to everyone, go back to premium Australian sparkling. Yarra Valley, um, Tasmania, Adelaide Hills, support Australian sparkling. Yep, champagne's great, but Australia. Now, you're going to be a semi-regular. We haven't decided how often we're going to bring you in here. It uh, just depends to the reaction to this segment that we're doing now. <laughs> we're going to do, rest- we're going to do restaurants That's well. what I was going to say, because, George, you had a restaurant in Canberra for 14 years, 12, 12 that, or 14 years? Yeah, that's okay. So you're a real food man too, aren't you? Yeah, I do enjoy it. And yeah. we've caught on slowly yeah. to the food thing as well. Gary, you're a pizza man. I'm a pizza man. You've got a couple of other dishes that you've been working on as well. Yes. And they are? Well, I've your got, shank, your three shank soup. Well, I was going to maybe let that go. We may have already let that go, given that we're doing this. Out What's of your other one? What's your other one? I've got a no, very the new one. You've been working prawn, on prawn, <laughs> prawn and pork balls in aromatic broth. Oh. 
Wow. A pinch it. <laughs> George has raised his eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah. A pinch it straight off Gordon yeah. Ramsay. I, yeah. I do that. I go. I watch a lot of Gordon. I watch a lot of Jamie, right. and then I go and cook this. Stuff. Yeah, no, okay. Good. I've got a magnificent twice cooked potato smashed potato recipe too. That is potato. just absolute potato. Boring. No, it's not boring. Yeah, it sounds boring. Well, well you, haven't heard, you haven't heard how I cook it yet. Yeah, you cooked it twice. Yeah, it's twice as boring. <laughs> Georgie. Yeah, parboil. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We Thanks, will talk guys. again very soon. George. Georgie Samuel, it's always good to have a chat with George. Um, a Nuffy's Guide to Wine. That's the way I, <laughs> that's the way I see it. From my own point of view, you, yep. you two boys know what you're talking about, but uh, we'll have a chat. He'll come in semi-regularly and we'll, we'll have a chat. Have we got any uh, vehicle where people can... Um, ask questions or firing questions or anything like that. I should have asked our producer before we come back. Yes, on there. yeah, I think we'll make that available to people next week. Yeah, <laughs> go right easy, honestly. Yeah, well, go to the rabbit hole. Yeah, somewhere there. it'll have an answer for you there where you can. If you've got a question that you want us to ask George, or you want, there's somewhere you want yep. us to go. If there's a rabbit hole, yep. an area down the rabbit hole you want us to yep. go, or if you've got a favourite wisp commentary moment, um, <laughs> we'd love to hear from I'm you. I'm going to go and keep listening to see whether, in fact, your excitement levels get any higher than what they were on that uh, day at Sydney. It's time to talk farming for Kubota. For over 40 years, Kubota's been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. This is for Kubota, uh, two great farmers are with you here. Kubota, yes. together we're shaping and building Australia. I wanted to ask you, if, should I start planting some trees now on my uh, acreage? Yes. Because the house build will start later this year. Right. All things going well. Should I start to plant trees now? And what sort should I be looking at? Well, you've got a lot of native trees on your property. Thousands of them. Uh, has, has Gums. It, has it been stipulated by the local council or as to what you have to plant? Have they no. given you a planting guide yes. at all? Yes, we have to replant. You've got to replant, we've yeah. got to knock one or two over. But the immediate uh, landscape around your property you're talking about. This yeah. is be more of an aesthetic. Well, that's when the wisp needs to put on his landscaping hat. Because you were a landscape yes, in architect another, in a former life. In a previous just, life. You're nodding here thinking, yes. is architects a bit, that's a bit. Much. Landscape architect. You yeah. weren't an architect. Well, I was a landscape architect. No, you yeah. weren't. You can call yourself whatever you like. I was a landscape architect. You weren't an architect. You didn't go to school. I wasn't qualified. No. No, but I was a landscape yeah. architect. I no. just didn't have all the letters after no, my name. That's you're a all. landscape labourer. That's what you were. Well, you say labourer, I say architect. Did you Let's not split hairs here Can you here, design anyway. gardens? Yeah, of course I can. You know that. No, I don't know. I've that. talked to you about that. Oh, no, you've I know you talked need, about. Well, do you want to do established trees, or do you want to do sort of little tiny little how much? nothings? How much? Well, it depends on how big and heavy well, you want to go with all this. How much is sapling? Or how big do you want to go? Well, I can. Get you want a tiny little in a tube, or? Oh, I've got a I've got a good mate who can look after me with the tube ones. But how long do they take to? Uh, long time, now, a long time. Give you me you want to established? Yeah, you want a semi-established. What's stuff, a semi-established? Yeah. Oh, it, well, we can talk about that. Six feet. Yeah, well, it depends on what type of tree it might be. You go on a lot Elm. of trees. Do you want do you want deciduous or do you want evergreens or deciduous with fruit? <sighs> deciduous with fruit. What am I dealing with here? Deciduous means they drop their leaves once a year, Gary. I know that. I was just testing you. <laughs> How much did you get paid as a landscape architect? Just a matter of interest. Well, it depends on who I was negotiating no, no, with so at the time. Trees. Yeah, deciduous. John paid paid me plenty to do his place. What about? I'm thinking of planting a couple of rows of um, olive trees. Yeah, great idea. So for that's more of me aesthetic. I'm not going to yeah. make olive oil. Well, you get the fruit off them, though, if you want And it. then a smattering of oak. Yes, with a some, beautiful tree. With some mm. spores down the bottom, truffle spores. Well, you'd have to yeah, – you've, you've got to produce a concoction to be able to do that. What do you mean? Well, you've got well, to – You're an architect? Yeah, you know, you inject the ground – to be able to create the spores, to be able to create the truffles, yes. What do you mean you inject the ground? Well, you inject it into the root system. That's where the truffles grow. That's called the spores. Yeah, but you've got to get it in there. How? Well, do you think you're just going to produce a truffle from nowhere, do you? I was going to plant Where's your truffle going to come from? You're going to go to Cabbage and buy some truffles. Well, (laughs) Would Brando be able to sniff a truffle out? I don't don't (laughs) want to plant them and not be able to find them. Will he be able to find them for me? Just... Just mark the ground. <laughs> you how long before I can get You're going to have to wait a while too. Well, how long? Maybe a decade. Or maybe I'll get a bigger tree then. Uh, well, that's yeah, that's an option too. 
here's another option. Right. It'll save you a lot of time, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Just go to Italy once a year and pick up a couple of truffles and bring them back with you. All right. The truffles were a bit of an exotic idea. I'm not that wedded to that, but I do need some trees. So would you suggest oak? Would, would you suggest um, I, I like Manchurian the pear? No, you can do that. You can do all I'm that. You can do, do a combination olives. of those. I'm doing olives. Yeah, do the olive trees. Mm-hmm. You could have an avenue of olive trees down to your house we'll if you wanted bit, to. That, that's a bit much. And we could get Johnny from Epping, our old mate. He, he knows how to prune an olive tree. He knows more about olive trees Does and he? grafting olive trees and all sorts of trees than anybody I know. Does he? He'd be perfect for you to get down there. Okay. Well, is the climate right for olive trees down there? Oh, of course it is. Anywhere get, in Australia. Gets wet. Yeah. They don't, they don't love wet feet, oh. olives, but okay. they don't so, mind them. You, just let me wind up the... Uh, the uh, farming talk here for Kubota. Mm. Together we're shaping and building Australia. Yeah. Can you shape and build the trees for me at my at the acreage? Of course I can. Oh, well, what, give me what sort. You haven't even told me one thing. I suggested the olive okay, trees. Okay, I say I think we do a combination of citrus. What citrus? Olive, and we also do some deciduous and some oak included in that. Citrus. There are a lot of varieties of oak trees that uh, drought resistant too, which is a very good thing for you down there in case uh, we don't get any rain for a few well, years. Okay. Now, can you, so you've talked very broadly. Mm. I don't expect, you've been out of the architect, uh, guard, landscape architect business for a while. Yes. Can you come next week <laughs> with some more specific names and trees for me? 100%. I'll, I'll spend the next six or seven days working on it for you, if you like. And a plan, like a site plan? Yep. yep. A nice uh, nice little drawing I'll be able to conjure up for you. Oh, good. I'll be able to sleep better tonight. Oh, it's a lot of fun. That was the Rabbit Hole. Uh, thanks to Kubota, our third episode. You can head to at Rabbit Hole SEN on Twitter to hear some of this magnificent work. This has been the Rabbit Hole with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson for Tyre Power, Australia's biggest independent tyre retailer. Keeping you safe on the roads, tyrepower.com.au. Tune in to 1116SEN each Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday from 6 to 9am to hear SEN Breakfast with Gary and Tim.